Luke chapter 11, verse 1 to 13. My voice is giving up, um, so let's pray that God will help me um, even as I speak. Um, now, can I ask um, one of the staff members, um, there are papers there um, to just sanitize your hands and distribute um, those papers. And the idea is, um, if you do have any prayer requests, we want to end off our session this evening praying together uh, because this is um, a topic on prayer. We're looking at uh, Luke um, 11. Just uh, if you're joining us for the very first time, just to remind you that we have been working our way through Luke's gospel, and I think this has been a gospel, um, an account of the life of Jesus that's been very helpful in my work as a Christian uh, recently as we dive into who Jesus is and the revolutionary message of the kingdom of God uh, as, you see them, as, you, as you see that message across Luke's gospel. So this has been great. Uh, we looked at uh, the freedom and the certainty uh, that Jesus uh, gives us. Luke writes this uh, to his audience so that they can have certainty uh, of who Jesus is uh, during uncertain times. And this has been uh, indeed um, helpful. So if you missed any of those uh, please go onto our website um, and catch those. I'm going to read for us, uh, then pray. Uh, this evening we're looking at um, Jesus' teaching on prayer. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us, and lead us not into temptation. Verse 5, and he said to them, which of you who has a friend uh, will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, let me three loaves, of, three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to say before him, and and he will answer from within, do not bother me, the door is now shut and my children are uh, with me in bed. Um, I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give anything because he, I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he, he, he is his friend, yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, Ask, and it will be given you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, it will, uh, to the one who knocks, to the one who knocks, it will be opened. What among you, what father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? This is the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, to which you respond, praise be to God. Amen. Um, I'm going to lead us in prayer, and then we're going to dive um, right into that. Just to say, before we begin, um, when it comes to this prayer, a lot of the stuff I read has been by David Sercom. He's my previous principal. Um, if you search the Lord's Prayer, David Sercom, S-E-C-C-O-M-B-E, uh, and Dr. Noel Wright and Joel Green uh, have been hel helpful 
uh, in understanding this uh, Lord's Prayer and some of the insights um, they have. So I'm just going to pray for us um, as we get into it. Uh, Father, we thank you um, for the many years of faithful ministry, uh, for Martin and his life, uh, for many who have come to know the Lord Jesus. Uh, and we do pray uh, that people will come to the knowledge of you, uh, that someone might be coming in uh, not knowing who you are. pray that they would come uh, to a full knowledge of, of, of you, uh, that they would also call you Father. Please be with me and sustain my voice um, as, we, um, as we get into this text. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, so we're looking at um, this text. We started off um, in chapter 1, uh, Luke explaining that idea of certainty. We jumped to chapter 4 where we saw that the whole message of Jesus' kingdom was about this theme of freedom. That is, uh, was here to liberate those who were oppressed. So if you missed that, again, uh, go um, onto our website to see that. Now, chapter 9 from verse 50, Jesus sets his face towards Jerusalem. And as he's on his journey to Jerusalem, he teaches his disciples about the, the kingdom uh, that he's about to bring about. What do we mean by kingdom? A kingdom uh, is a place under a rule. It's a government. Um, and Jesus is about to bring the government of God um, into, um, into our world. That, that is why he came. Uh, and in the context of uh, our prayer, you'll see if you have your Bibles open, uh, that the stories surrounding uh, this Lord's Prayer, it's, it's basically stories around the theme of discipleship. Uh, so what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Uh, you'll see that um, one of the ladies um, there, um, as, 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 as Jesus was teaching, um, verse 39 of chapter 10, if you can turn there with me. And, and, and she had, I'll read it from verse 38. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village. He's on his way to Jerusalem. And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. Uh, so we see this great example of discipleship, uh, of sitting at the feet of Jesus and learning from him. And we pick up the same um, sort of theme as we go into the Lord's Prayer. So this is really about the Christian life, what it means to be part of the kingdom of God, what it means to be a disciple, a follower of Jesus. Verse 1 and 2 of chapter 11. Now Jesus was praying. Uh, notice um, Jesus is praying. Uh, so it means prayer is quite important if the very Lord of the universe himself um, is praying. He's praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, uh, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. Um, so uh, Jesus set up a Zoom meeting, uh, and he organizes a webinar for them on prayer. Uh, Twelve guys are logged in. Um, one of his disciples, perhaps John, unmutes the mic. Um, oh, not unmutes the mic. He starts to speak, and everyone says, well, John, we can't hear you. Can you just unmute your mic there? And he unmutes his, uh, his mic and says, um, can you hear me now? Uh, it's Zoom, and everyone has their thumbs up. And obviously, Judas... Um, his, his video is off at that time. Um, <laughs> I should stop such things. Um, so, John says, well, gents, um, we've been hearing a lot of uh, the disciples of John 
uh, thrilled and excited about John's uh, teaching. And as part of uh, his movement, John has been teaching his disciples how to pray. And I've, I just thought I'd organize this webinar uh, with Jesus himself uh, for him to teach us how to pray. Now, this may um, come as a shock or a surprise to us, or it should come as a shock um, or surprise um, to us that they would ask uh, him to teach them uh, to pray. Surely they knew, uh, being Jewish, uh, what it meant to pray. Surely they had within their liturgy, and that simply uh, means that the, the stuff that was written down, uh, that was repeated and prayed uh, in the synagogue, surely they knew how to pray. But there's a lot more that's happening here. When these disciples ask Jesus to teach them how to pray, uh, they are asking him to teach them something of his kingdom, uh, to teach them something of the kingdom's aspirations. Uh, what a prayer is back in those days, in the times of John, uh, was connected very much to uh, the desires of the movement. Uh, John led a movement uh, in the desert, uh, saying that whatever he's doing, he's preparing for the king to come. Uh, so this was um, a movement people were getting baptized. We saw last week uh, as Reggie was preaching. So this was um, a movement, a political movement in many ways, uh, because what they understood, what the Jews understood, was that when God's kingdom comes, um, God will overthrow all the Romans uh, and bring about his king, the king from the line of David, to come rule. Uh, so they want to know what are the things we should be praying for. What are some of the things that we should be aspiring for as a movement? Um, what a prayer was, uh, was basically uh, praying along the lines um, of what you are anticipating uh, for the king uh, to bring. Let me just further um, explain what I mean by that. Um, I, aspirations of a kingdom basically means that we currently live in a situation where things are different and we are aspiring uh, for them to be uh, turned for the better. Uh, so in 1955, uh, when Martin was born, um, a couple of guys came up with what we call the Freedom Charter. How many of you have read the Freedom Charter? How many of you know what the Freedom Charter is about? Okay, um, so the Freedom Charter has aspirations of another kingdom, aspirations of something different to what those guys were experiencing. Uh, one of the first things in the, um, in the Freedom Charter is the people shall govern. And what did that mean? It meant that at that moment, the people were not governing, uh, and they were aspiring to a time where the people shall govern. And so it is with prayer uh, in this context, so it is with prayer that these disciples were kind of looking for the marks of their movement, the things that they should be aspiring to. And so it is with the Lord's Prayer. As we read it, we need to remember that it is filled with kingdom aspirations, that it is filled with anticipation of something different to what we are experiencing in the here and in the now. And notice, um, if you can, please turn quickly to Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 to 8. Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 to 8. So first, we, we need to re realize that uh, prayer is uh, an aspiration of Jesus' movement. Uh, secondly, we notice that Jesus doesn't teach them um, that when you pray, um, 
this is the method. So there's a lot of methods out there on how to pray, how to move the hand of God. But notice Jesus doesn't do that in those uh, few verses. In fact, he tells them what not to do. Verse 6. Um, so rather, chapter 6, verses um, 5. He says, and when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for the Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this. Uh, so in Matthew's account of the Lord's Prayer, he begins, uh, Jesus begins by explaining to us how not to pray. He doesn't necessarily give us a method, but he gives us contents of this prayer as we'll pick it up, if you can turn back to Luke 11. He gives us content of what to pray for, what to aspire for, as kingdom people, as his disciples. And one of the things we're going to see quickly um, is that in this prayer, Jesus, number one, realigns our priorities. Secondly, he raises our expectations. And then lastly, he brings us to our knees. Uh, Jesus realigns, as you would realign the wheels of a car. He realigns our priorities. He raises our expectations and brings us to our knees, and we're going to be brought to our knees as we end of our time together, as we pray in line with his kingdom, in line with his movement, as he teaches us here how to pray. First thing, Jesus realigns our priorities. Have a look at um, verse 2. So after they asked him uh, to teach them how to pray, this is what Jesus said. And he said to them, when you pray, say... Father, hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. Now, this is revolutionary. This is a revolutionary um, message of the kingdom that they would call God their father. Listen to these words uh, from J.R. Pecker. By the way, Reggie preached um, a sermon on the fatherhood of God a couple of months back, I go on to our website and listen to that. Um, and this is one of the quotes um, that he quoted by J.I. Packer. He says, if you want to judge well, just judge how well a person understands Christianity, find out how much he makes of the thought of being God's child and having God as father. If this is not the thought that prompts and controls his worship and prayers, his whole outlook of, on life, it means that he does not understand Christianity very well at all. For everything that Christ taught, everything that makes the New Testament new and, the, and better than the old, everything that is distinctively Christian as opposed to merely Jewish is summed up in the knowledge of the fatherhood of God. Father is the Christian name of, for God. Many of us come into this place like me, grew up without a father, uh, it is revolutionary uh, that the very creator of the world invites us uh, to call him Father. Amen. Amen. We're not all born uh, children of God. He makes us his children 
uh, when we turn to Jesus. And J.R. Pekka says, you would know someone, um, their true understanding of what it means to be a Christian by what they make of God being their father. That is the most fundamental um, of God's um, workings in the life of a Christian that we would call God Father. And notice the priority of a disciple when they pray is to pray like this, Father, hallowed be your name. Let your reputation be glorified. Let my life revolve around you and not around me. Now, how many of us would pray more if that was the priority of our prayers? If we were moved to realize uh, that your life and my life um, should circle around God the Father. And that in fact the ultimate satisfaction in life is when we do that. The ultimate satisfaction for you and I is when we kneel uh, before God uh, as Father. And when we pray, hallowed be your name. Let your name be made holy. This is very a command that the Israelites were given to uphold the name and the reputation uh, of God uh, that would become our kingdom aspirations. That in the here and now, your name is dragged through the mud. In the here and now, in our own lives, your name is hallowed. So we pray, Father, hallowed be your name. May your name be glorified. The second uh, thing in God realigning our priorities uh, is that Jesus teaches his disciples to pray, your kingdom come. Let your rule be established right here on earth. Your kingdom, not my kingdom. Uh, It means that the reality of each and every one of us and our lives is that we live with ourselves as kings. Uh, We want to call the shots uh, in our lives. And when we do that, uh, it ends in tears, doesn't it? Uh, Someone this week said something that I'll never forget. Uh, They said that it's premium Gucci tears. Um, So when you and I choose to be the laws and the center of our own lives, it ends in premium Gucci tears. Uh, It's a mess. Um, And so as we pray, your kingdom come. God is trying to realign our priorities. Uh, God is telling them that his, uh, Jesus is telling these guys that God's movement and God's kingdom uh, is all about him uh, and not about us. Amen. Your kingdom come. And when, as we think of this, um, as we think of this across Luke's gospel, we see that very kingdom breaking in. Uh, we saw as Jesus goes out exercising demons is that he's establishing his kingdom over the spiritual world. As he goes on welcoming sinners into uh, the table of fellowship, he's establishing his kingdoms. As, as corrupt politicians turn to him like Zacchaeus does in chapter 19, God is establishing his kingdom. That Zacchaeus' life is no longer about him and the money that he's collecting. It is about God and his kingdom. It is about him taking care of the people uh, that God has made in, this, in his image. When we pray, your kingdom come, If you pray that, this is the most dangerous thing that you and I can pray. Do you know why? Because if his kingdom comes, if his kingdom is established in our lives, then they will be radically realigned. It means that you and I, some of the things that we pray for, some of the things that we aspire to, um, will be brought into subject um, of the Lord himself. Um, And it is painful when you do that, but it is good for us to pray 
God, let your kingdom come. Right here in Midrand, let your kingdom come. As you look at those flats across the road, let your kingdom come. How many lives would be transformed if we prayed those prayers uh, for those guys out there and for these guys sitting here? Lord, this week, may your kingdom come. May your will be established in my life in the things that I watch on my phone. May your will be established in my life in how I spend my money. May your will be established in my life and my life to be about you as I interact with people in my office space. Jesus realigns our priorities and teaches us to pray, Father, it's all about you and your kingdom. Come establish your kingdom here. Come and be the boss of my life and call the shots in my life. And help me to repent in times where I call the shots um, in my life. Um, so that is the first thing that we see, that he realigns our priorities. The, the second thing that we, uh, we see, and I, I want to spend some time here, um, is that he broadens our expectations. He broadens our expectations. And we see that, sorry, in verse 3, this interesting phrase um, uh, that I picked up from uh, reading David Seccom and Dr. Uh, Norwright, um, Give us each day our daily bread. Now, if you have an ESV Bible or if you have uh, an ESV app or even an NIV, you see that there's a footnote there on verse 5, verse 3 rather. Give us each day our daily bread. And my Bible says, um, it, it has five there, and the footnote says that the translation could be, or our bread for tomorrow. So in other words, the prayer would say, give us each day our bread for tomorrow. Now, before I lose you, come with me. Are you guys still with me? Give us this day our bread for tomorrow. So this is a word that appears once uh, in the Greek. Um, people don't know what it means, so they're taking a jab at This could be what it means, but it's quite interesting that this Men who have read uh, make an observation uh, that Jesus is here probably alluding to much more than what you and I would think. When we read the words, give us today our daily bread, normally we think about provision. And there's nothing wrong with that. But there's more to it that's happening here, especially in the context of Luke. Uh, this idea of bread we see in the feeding of the 5,000, that it's more than just about food itself. Uh, so the crowds are hungry. Jesus comes to feed them, uh, and they're not hungry anymore, right? And some of them want to follow him. Who wouldn't follow a guy who gives you food? Um, but Jesus wants to point them to a bread that's even more satisfying. He wants to point them, point them to himself. And this guys that I've read say uh, this interesting phrase probably means uh, that give us a taste of the, of the bread of the kingdom. Give us a taste of the bread of the kingdom. Uh, in other words, as Jesus spoke about his kingdom, we see that in Luke's gospel. He comes eating and drinking with people. He comes setting a table and inviting sinners up to that table. And one of the religious guys say, man, isn't it going to be lovely one day uh, when we eat of the bread of the kingdom? Um, he, he's assuming that it's part of what God is doing, right? But when Jesus prays that uh, God give us 
um, the bread of the kingdom. He's saying, God, give us a taste of what it means to be in the kingdom. Give us just a small taste of greater things that you're going to bring about. Um, this last week I went to Food Lovers Market. Um, they just opened one here in Midrand, um, which is not good for me. Um, Reggie commented on my weight. Uh, what had happened is, um, during the pandemic, I thought we were going to run out of food. So I ate, uh, and my body stored up all the energy here um, so that uh, in case we starve, it might um, take... <laughs> Take some of it there. Anyway, I went to Food Lovers Market. I love Food Lovers Market. Um, they have nice fruit and veggies there. Um, and one of the ladies, they just, it's new now, so people are all friendly to you when you come to Food Lovers. Um, but one of the ladies there was, um, they had a frying pan uh, with toothpicks and this uh, delicious, um, what do you call it, sausage. Uh, and she, her job is to, just give you a taste, right? So you walk up to her uh, and she would say, don't you want to try this? And the idea is that you'd buy into the whole thing, right? Uh, and it's normally delicious because you normally go food shopping when you're hungry. So you taste that thing and you buy the whole pack. Um, so sometimes in the Bible, we, we see that God in some ways gives us a taste of the life to come. In some ways, we taste what it would look like to be fully in his kingdom in the last day. We long for that time. We long for a time where we can sit with Jesus and enjoy this feast of the kingdom. But Jesus is teaching his disciples that today you can pray that Jesus, God, the Father, give us today that bread. Give us a taste of that kingdom. Isaiah 25 speaks of the coming Messiah with this picture of a feast. This is what Isaiah says as he anticipates the king of David, of, uh, from the line of David who will conquer um, the enemies and who will come uh, to rescue God's people. And he says, on this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wine, of rich food, full of marrow, of aged wine, well-refined. And he will listen to the, 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 the picture of this kingdom he will swallow up on this mountain the covering that is cast over the peoples and the veil that is spread over all the nations. Verse 8, he will swallow up death forever. And the Lord will wipe away tears from all faces and the reproach of his people he will take away from all the earth the Lord has spoken. Uh, so this is an anticipation of this king who would come to feast with his people. And what does this feast look like? Well, death is swallowed up forever. There's no more tears. Uh, this is the kingdom that if you are a Christian, you are longing and hoping for. This is a kingdom that is contrary to the experience that you and I go through in this life. In this life, we are faced with many tears. In this life, many have lost their parents. In this life, uh, many have been sexually abused at the hands of predators. In this life... Many have lost their jobs, and all they're praying for is for the next meal. In this life, there's so many that is going wrong. But Jesus teaches his disciples to pray that God, in this life, give us a taste of that kingdom. Now give us a taste of a world where we would know full comfort. Give us a taste 
of the life where there's no predators. As men tend to Jesus and forsake their ways, the kingdom breaks in and we see and taste a tiny bit of what the kingdom of God is about. Amen. So that is what Jesus is asking us, uh, his disciples, to pray for. Tomorrow's bread, today. And of course, that doesn't exclude us asking for provision. Uh, As a struggling student, you can come to God and pray to him, God, please help me. But it's way more than that. It is about the kingdom of God breaking in. It's about God realigning our priorities. Now, this prayer is to be prayed um, to that abused girl who's struggling to get over her trauma. Lord, please give me a taste of the kingdom to come. Please save me from these scars that I have. Because uh, many of them carry those scars on and on. And it just doesn't look like in this life there's any hope. It doesn't look like there's any hope for a, a, a lady who's being in an abusive relationship. Uh, but Jesus teaches us to pray, God, give us a taste of the bread of the kingdom. Many of us come from families that are broken uh, and we're fighting with our siblings. Um, we're fighting with each other. God, give us a taste of that kingdom. Um, help us taste forgiveness and what it would look like in this life. As I'm saying this, I'm tearing up because like, uh, there's so much I harbor against my father that I'm just like, dude, like you brought a child into this world and you didn't care about him. Jesus, I'm praying right now. Give me a taste of the coming of your kingdom as I forgive my dad. It is those who are oppressed by evil spirits that have turned to ancestral worship and have enslaved themselves with the power of Satan. Jesus, in this life, give them a taste of what it means to be released uh, and to have freedom uh, from those bonds. Amen. Amen. That is what Jesus is asking his disciples to pray for. And it's not a, uh, a coincidence that the second thing that follows after that, because it just seems like mixed priorities, right? He's praying that his kingdom may come and then it's daily bread and then forgive us our sins. Um, but that follows on, right? The forgiveness of sins is the taste of the world to come. Forgiveness of sins is part of the kingdom of God. As God forgives our sins, as this relationship is sorted, and listen to what he says next, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. Amen. That once we've tasted the forgiveness of the Father, we can extend it to other people from that place of richness. Amen. And lead us not into temptation. How many times this week are you going to be tempted to be the boss of your own life? Jesus is teaching his disciples um, to pray these words, these aspirations of his kingdom, and lead us not into temptation. As a disciple of Christ, this is what we ought to be praying for. And the last thing, because we're running out of time, is that Jesus, not only does he realign our priorities, not only does he, what was the second point? Realigns our priorities, raises our expectations. And what I mean about that is that sometimes you look at your life and it's hopeless. Uh, When I look at uh, the situation um, with my dad, it just looks hopeless, right? But Jesus says, man, 
Like you need to raise your expectation. You need to be expecting uh, that God can work in transforming people's lives. And there are people, or perhaps it's yourself, where you look at yourself, you're struggling with the same sin over and over again. You look at your situation and you're like, this is hopeless. I will never overcome this. Jesus is raising your expectations to pray tomorrow's bread today. Let me get a taste of that coming kingdom right here, right now. The forgiveness of sins, freedom from my sins in the here and now. And I'm going to look forward to a time where I experience that fully in the, in the coming kingdom. Uh, I'm not going to spend some time, um, most of my time in um, the last point, which is that God uh, in this prayer, or rather Jesus in this prayer, brings us to our knees. Uh, he helps us um, to trust God for our everything. And he goes back to this concept of the fatherhood of God. And he gives us a, an argument from the lesser to the greater. He says, David, if you being an evil guy, at 12 o'clock when your son wakes up and say, Papa, I'm thirsty. The only Tuana phrase my son can say is, Kupameti. And he says it like a white guy. <laughs> but when he wakes up from his sleep and says, Kupameti, I'm thirsty, can you please give him water? That I think to myself, shucks, I love my sleep. Why am I waking up? Because I need to go make him wee and then give him water because otherwise it will be an ocean in the morning, right? If you are an evil guy and you are doing that reluctantly, but you love your son, how much more your heavenly father? Someone say, how much more? How much more does your heavenly father, and notice how he ends this as he brings us to our knees. How much more will the heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? It's an interesting way for Jesus to end it. That he gives us um, his Holy Spirit. In Acts, the Holy Spirit, I read the commentaries, they don't have the answers as to why Jesus specifically says the Holy Spirit. But in Acts, the Holy Spirit is at work in bringing about the mission of God. It is at work in the life of Jesus in chapter 4 as he's tempted. It is at work in growing the church in Acts. It is at work in all that we see now as we gather here this evening. It is the Holy Spirit that is at work uh, throughout all generations. That is how God chooses to work in our lives. And Paul prays this prayer that I think is one of my favorite prayers that I go to when I'm, I'm hopeless. I'm feeling hopeless. Uh, he prays that the, that the Ephesian church would know God more and would know the power that is at work in their lives. He says the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is the same power that is at work in your life and in my life if we are believers. It is the same power that is availed to you if you're not a Christian coming here this evening, if you want to turn to Jesus. The power that raised Jesus from the dead is at work in the believer. How much more will God give us uh, that power to help us live the Christian life, a life of a disciple? Now, if we had our priorities um, realigned, if we had our expectations raised, how much more would we pray? Uh, and with that said, I think we should end our time off in praying.
Um, we did give you some cards. They will be anonymous. Uh, we're just going to spend a few minutes praying. I'm going to pray now to end off our f- service officially. So if you feel like you, sh- you want to leave, you are free to do so. It's already quarter to, um, to eight. Martin took up all the time. Um, I'm going to pray for us to end our time uh, together officially. Um, but I'm going to ask you to think about some of the, the things you want to pray for. Perhaps it's a broken relationship. And to not just pray selfish things like, can I have a Mac? Like, right, that is not what Jesus teaches us to pray. He wants you to realign your priorities to be all about him. So just as you write your prayer requests, be praying things that are in line with his kingdom. I'm going to pray. I'll give you a moment, and I'm going to ask Reggie and Black to join me as we pray through those um, prayer requests. And if you are on Zoom, you can also send through your prayer requests, and we'll pray for those. Father, thank you so much for this kingdom. Thank you that you are building your kingdom. Thank you that you are establishing it in our lives. I pray, Father, that in Midrand, many men will turn their hearts to you, that they will turn from sin to follow you. Many women will turn from following their own desires to being all about you. Pray for Christians in this room um, to not be led to temptation, that you deliver us from the evil one and his schemes to destroy us. I pray for someone who's not a believer coming in, uh, hearing perhaps for the first time that you are our father. I pray that you would help them to turn to you, um, to say, God, I'm tired of living the life um, my own way, living my life my own way. I'm tired of being the king of my life. May your kingdom come in my life. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Amen. Um,